What is up, Next Level fam? Thank you for joining another Next Level Urgent Care podcast. I'm your host, Alexis Smith, and today we'll be discussing the COVID-19 vaccine from a healthcare worker's perspective. I have Next Level Urgent Care's Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Robin Trailer, back with me again. Last week, we talked about vaccines and how they work, and this week, we're talking specifically about the COVID-19 vaccine and hopefully answering some of your burning questions along the way. Dr. Trailer, thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with me. I'm really excited to have you for today's topic. Thank you for having me, Alexis. It was so much fun last week that I'm back again. (laughs) So before we dive into this topic, I really wanted to just give our listeners a brief overview of what the Next Level team has experienced just over the last year, being on the front lines amidst the COVID-19 pandemic, primarily COVID-19 testing, and now when we have the opportunity to do so, vaccinating members of our community. Um, Can you speak a little bit about your experience as a healthcare worker on the front lines and also as our chief medical officer trying to keep ourselves Uh, safe and sane when our clinic volumes increased? Honestly, Alexis, I could probably write a book about (laughs) it and somebody will uh, when they have time to actually stop and look back and, and really think about what we've been through. And so I think about where we were just one year ago. I was watching the news and hearing about this devastating virus that was in Asia and we were watching little pockets of COVID being discovered in the United States. And I remember being very concerned, but not really scared yet because it didn't feel real. You know, it wasn't right. in our There were a couple of yet. months, you yeah. know, in between when we heard about it and when it actually came to the States where we were like, oh, we're fine. It's Absolutely. not here. Absolutely. <laughs> in fact, you know, my family, we went to rodeo last year. And I'll tell you, we went with masks and we were the only family out there with masks on at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. We had a great time. We saw Chance the Rapper. It was it was amazing. But we we had some awareness of it in our uh, in in like the greater United United States, but the first case had not yet been discovered in the Houston area, I don't believe. And so um, it was actually the next week that a case was discovered in Fort Bend County. And interestingly enough, that case had come through next level. We discovered it and sent the patient over to the hospital. I think the very first cases in the Houston area had all come off of an Egyptian cruise that had recently returned to town. And so our healthcare workers at Next Level were among the first in quarantine in the Houston area. And so that was a real wake up call for us uh, to, to receive that call from the health department that, you know, the patient that we encountered actually had the coronavirus and, and going through that entire process. And so we thought, okay, you know, it's real. We've got to make sure we have PPE. We've got to make sure we have cleaning supplies. We need to figure out how to test people. And our very brave uh, leader, uh, Dr. Breeze, uh, just kind of sprang into action and and galvanized the whole team and and, um, made sure that we were always well stocked with, with everything that we needed. Um, Next Level made a plan to to get plenty of N95 masks and gloves, and it was hard, okay? Um, I often tell people that before the pandemic, those little masks were about, 
you know, four cents a mask. Well, you know, after the pandemic, they went over to, you know, a dollar a mask. Um, there was an incredible markup on surgical gowns. You know, the, the droplet precaution disposable gowns um, were really just pennies. And then they went up to, in some cases, over $4 a gown. So the cost, just, you know, the, the actual uh, dollar cost to uh, healthcare uh, providers across the country really was just, um, well, it was, it was frightening uh, because we needed to be protected. But uh, in, in a lot of cases, people couldn't figure out how they were going to be able to afford that. Um, so at Next Level, you know, we, we, we sourced the masks. We got our hands on gloves. Um, we did what we could to get as much cleaning supplies as possible. Our our regular stuff was out of stock, just like everybody. We couldn't find Lysol. Right. Um, it was hard to get our hands Mixing on. Mixing you know, big cloths, batches wipes, in our and, corporate office. Yes, <laughs> yes, right. And so we just found, you know, whatever whatever was out there and um, tried to, you know, mix up our, uh, you know, alternative disinfectants and all of that. We even for a while uh, got raincoats for our providers to use as an alternative to the disposable gowns that we were used to at the time. Um, the other thing that we did that was really interesting at the time was uh, we decided to turn our clinics inside out. Um, that was around like March 18th, 19th, when we just said, you know what, we can't, yeah, we, we can't let this virus in our clinics. We need to keep our team members safe. Many of our team members had expressed concern about, um, you know, just how bad the virus could be. Uh, and not only for themselves, but really because of their loved ones at home. We have team members who had new babies at home or parents with chronic lung disease or parents with cancer. And they didn't want to accidentally take um, this, this devastating virus home to the ones they loved. And so in an effort to reduce transmission in the clinic and, you know, to, to get like the best ventilation possible, we just went outside. And so we had patients who were driving up to our clinics and getting uh, tested in their cars. Um, and in some cases under our next level tents, we went to job sites and did mass testing um, uh, events, you know, at, at different uh, large employer job sites. Uh, we set up almost like mobile clinics and were providing like temperature checks for some of the larger employers around town. I mean, it really just was a very um, interesting time early on. We made a video for a large employer to help educate their employees about infection precaution and uh, infection control. Remember, you know, at this time, the state basically shut down everything, and, and rightfully so. I, I supported uh, the, the state and local officials who made the call to go ahead and shut down you know, bars and restaurants and stores and all of that because we didn't know what we had, you know, and things were just getting so bad. Our hospitals were at capacity. The ICUs were at capacity. And our most precious resources, the doctors and nurses on the front lines, were really just getting exhausted you know, um, at some point, if you work your infectious disease specialist every day, um, if those guys just burn out, there's no, you can't just pull another infectious disease specialist out of your pocket. Um, so we had to get we had to get the virus under control so that we didn't burn out our resources. Um, and so Next Level went through all of those changes. Um, I even remember, and I, I don't know if you recall, but 
uh, early in the in the pandemic, it took, you know, 10 to 14 days to get a lab back. Um, yes, you know, I do recall that. Whether or not they, well. <laughs> yeah, to tell people whether or not they had the virus. And I thought, good gracious, you know, we're calling people with a positive result for a specimen that was collected two weeks ago. I mean, by then you were either better or you, you were already in the hospital or, or, or worse. And so that was just a horribly scary time. Yeah, scary was, and was, stressful you know, for everyone involved, mm-hmm. because um, I think what a lot of our patients didn't realize is that at the time, Next Level wasn't even able to run COVID-19 tests in-house. We were exporting them out to labs and just hoping that we would get a result back to our patients within a reasonable uh, time frame. And it just wasn't happening there at the beginning. And so that in itself caused a lot of stress and of course, the increased volumes as well. And so just keeping the morale up, uh, Next Level is known for having such an amazing morale. And all of a sudden, everyone was exhausted and um, right. not as excited about coming into work, um, not because they didn't want to take right. care of our patients, because that was, I mean, all the people that are in our clinics, they love taking care of patients. But, um, but you know, in a time when you're exhausted and you're also scared, just like everyone else, um, it, it wasn't as next levelly uh, as it usually is here. Right, right. Well, yeah, you know, the COVID pandemic uh, came at the end of a very robust flu season. So we were coming out of a flu season where some of our busier clinics were already seeing over 100 patients a day. And so when we reached um, the bad surge in the summer, many of our clinics were averaging, you know, 120 patients a day. Um, And to keep up that kind of pace for about six months, is just plain old hard. I don't care who you are or how much altruism you have, you know, a human gets tired. And so, yes, you know, working through all of that was, was challenging, but our team is just so great. We have really, really brave um, physicians and advanced practice providers and uh, nurses and medical assistants on our team. Uh, Even, you know, the administrative staff um, handling the tsunami of uh, like paperwork and electronic work, you know, for like filing insurance and our operators. Good gracious, Alexis, you know, before the pandemic, our operators might have handled a couple of thousand calls a day. Well, not long after the pandemic began, that that crescendoed to well over 10,000 calls a day, a day. It was horrid. Um, so I, I think back on all of those changes that we went through and um, really I marvel at how we got out of it. Um, but I'm so grateful that we reached this Absolutely. point. Absolutely. And I, it was really November of 2020 when we finally kind of saw the light at the end of the tunnel. What was your initial reaction when you found out that the COVID-19 vaccine was going to be ready in December of 2020 and, and ideally and hopefully available to the public second quarter of 2021? You know, if I were a crying woman, I might have cried. Um, I was just so relieved. I had so much gratitude, really, you know, to the scientific community for springing into action. I mean, number one, they had to identify the culprit. Um, So scientists discovered the SARS-CoV-2 virus, and then they had to figure out how to create a vaccine against it. And so they, the scientific community globally sprang into action and um, created a vaccine. And I think 
by May or June, they actually had a vaccine and went ahead and started conducting their, their clinical trials. Um, so by the time we heard in uh, November and early December that um, some of these vaccines were ready to go, I just, I was so, so happy um, and really just, just overwhelmed with gratitude for, for finally reaching the point where there was light at the end of the tunnel. Right. So there are quite a few myths circulating about the COVID-19 vaccine right now. Is there a source of truth? Like, what are your recommendations for those trying to uncover facts about the vaccine in order to make an educated decision about their health and that are maybe getting swayed by uh, the so-called news that's so circulating around social media and other uh, maybe not the most credible platforms? Right. So, you know, as a, as a scientist and really as a physician, I lean on some of these uh, highly accredited, highly reputable institutions like, um, you know, FDA, CDC, National Institute of Health, even some of our, um, you know, medical uh, societies, uh, you know, the Harris County Medical Society, Fort Bend Medical Society, uh, Texas um, in general. Um, the, you know, the, and, and trusted journals, of course, you know, New England Journal of Medicine. Um, as a family physician, I am a voracious reader of the um, of, of our American Academy uh, Family Physicians um, Journal. And so I, I tried to absorb as much data as I possibly could from those uh, trusted resources. But also, really, I, de- I had to depend on my tribe, my doctor tribe. Um, in this last year, there was almost too much information for one person to consume. Um, so I would talk to doctors about what they were reading, what had been discovered, just to make sure that I was up to date on the latest. Well, and you make a really good point. I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think, oh, healthcare workers, they know everything there is to know. But we're, we were having to do our own research about the vaccine, trying to decide whether it was the right decision for us and our bodies. Absolutely. Well, you know, normally I have a little bit of time uh, to learn things and discover, you know, what's what's working, what's not working in the community. For instance, if a new high blood pressure medicine is released, you know, I, I, I might have, you know, a couple of weeks or even a few months to learn about what it is and how it's working in the community. Well, if we didn't hop on information early about COVID, our patients would would be highly disappointed. I mean, people were coming into us with news. We had patients walking in with articles about, you know, all different kinds of medicines that, you know, had not been proven to work. And we had to tell them why we wouldn't prescribe um, some of these unproven therapies. So yes, you know, in, in, in 2020, um, our ability to keep up with the uh, pace of information uh, was tested, but we 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 figured it out. Uh, but your question to me was, who do I trust? Well, you know, I trust those institutions. I I trust um, some of these highly accredited uh, accredited uh, medical journals and medical bodies, and then also my physician friends. Um, I I would talk to, and I, I give patients the same advice. I mean, look, if if you don't know me, you don't have to trust me. But there there is a doctor somewhere that you know and trust. Hopefully, your primary care doctor. Um, maybe there's someone in your community that you know, whether it's your neighbor uh, or maybe a family member who happens to be a physician. Um, ask an expert, okay? I mean, you know, you no one is ever going to ask me to fix their car. I don't know a thing about it. 
you know so if I put up a post on Facebook about um, you know how to how to fix a car engine um, you should be very skeptical about that advice because I don't I, I don't know what I'm talking about uh, when it comes to vehicles and so in the same uh, vein I ask people to um, trust medical professionals when it comes to uh, giving advice about um, you know, vaccines and, and COVID-19, you know, if you're getting your information from your best friend on social media, that's probably the wrong place um, to, to look for, for guidance. Right, for sure. So um, speaking of social media, there have been quite a few myths um, <laughs> that have been circulating around and um, <laughs> no, you're kidding. <laughs> just a few. Um, and so I was wondering, we have a little bit of time left. If you wanted to just address maybe one or two of those myths um, that people may even be believing right now just because they haven't seen anything uh, to contradict that um, with, with actual evidence. So if you wouldn't mind just touching on a few that, that you've seen, that would be great. Right. So, you know, one of the first... Uh, myths or concerns, I, you know, I'll say concerns. One of the first concerns is that the vaccine was rushed. And yes, absolutely, everything was lightning speed and the, the scientific community went as fast as it could, but we did not compromise the data. The scientific community went through all of the steps. There were phase one, two, and three, placebo controlled, double blind, randomized, trials to test out the vaccines and so you can absolutely trust the data that came out of Pfizer and Moderna um, on on their product. In fact, Moderna uh, uh, enrolled about 28,000 people. Half of them got the vaccine, the other half of them uh, received placebo and um, in the in the vaccinated group there were only about 11 people who contracted coronavirus and none of them were severe, okay? In the unvaccinated group, there were 185 people who caught coronavirus. And so um, the, the Moderna vaccine has a 94% um, efficacy against um, uh, contracting like or getting like severe coronavirus. Um, and uh, well, actually, it's it's zero percent. It's about zero percent risk of getting severe coronavirus, but um, maybe only about a six percent chance of getting coronavirus at all. Um, so, so that's good data. And that's um, after Pfizer the trials second dose, correct? The same. Exactly. That's after the second dose. Thank you for for mentioning that. The 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 Pfizer and Moderna vaccines require two shots. Um, for the Pfizer, it's it's three weeks. From the first dose and Moderna, it's about four weeks um, from the first dose, um, and it's about two weeks after that second shot when you could consider yourself um, protected. I do warn people not to completely unmask. You know, I, I know we're all tempted to unmask and go hug and kiss. You know, <laughs> the ones we love, but uh, we want to wait on that. You know, there are some new strains in the community, and also we need to wait um, for for more people to get vaccinated before we let our guard down. Another myth is that when you get the the um, the COVID vaccine that you're actually going to get COVID. I have received this question from friends and family. Well, you know, I if I get that shot, I'm going to get COVID. No, you won't. And let me tell you why. Um, the the mRNA vaccines, uh, which is the, the Pfizer and also the Moderna uh, shot, 
those are a recipe for the spike protein that is found on the surface of the coronavirus, okay? So we're all getting injected with a message, a recipe that tells our bodies how to build that spike protein. So once you build the protein, your body says, hey, wait a minute, that protein is not supposed to be here. And your body devours that protein. Literally, you mount an immune response in order to get rid of that protein. The analogy that I use with some people just to make it very simple um, is that you're injected with a recipe, you bake the cake, and then your body eats the cake. <laughs> And so, right. Yeah, I mean, everybody understands yeah. eating cake. And so, well, and just um, to confirm so that it, recipe, it it's not going into the nucleus of your cell, right? Because that's another uh, concern: is that it's going to be altering our DNA. Right. No, this one actually doesn't go into the nucleus. It does invade the cell wall and goes into the cell's machinery in order to make those proteins. But no, this one doesn't invade the nucleus. There are vaccines later that will invade the nucleus um, to create uh, DNA, which will then make an mRNA. Um, but even that type of vaccine does not integrate into your DNA. Nothing is 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 going to like change your own personal genetic code, nothing, okay? And after these vaccines are given to us, they essentially disintegrate. The body just like melts them away. They, they dissolve, they're gone. They're broken up and, and discarded. What you're left with uh, are your own antibodies and your own humoral response cells um, that will remember what they were exposed to so that when you encounter the virus, if you encounter the virus in the future, you'll mount that immune response and stay healthy. Great. So uh, just for some concluding remarks here, what would you say to someone who is hesitant about getting the COVID-19 vaccine? I would first say that I respect you. Uh, everybody has a right to their own concerns and their own skepticism and fear. I would say skepticism is healthy. We should question science and data. That's how we make advancements. But really, I invite anyone with concerns to look up the data, read the studies, and discover the truth for yourself. Talk to a medical professional that you trust someone who's an expert in the field, whether it be your own doctor or, or a physician that you know, or maybe you're lucky enough to know a scientist who uh, develops vaccines or who is in some way involved in the pharmaceutical in, uh, industry, and, and talk to them about the pros and cons of vaccination. I'm sure that the vast majority of people are going to get a positive response from those scientists. And, and hopefully that'll give you the confidence that you need to go ahead and get vaccinated. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Trailer, again um, for educating us on the COVID-19 vaccine being with us today. Um, we appreciate you and looking forward to talking to you next time. Thank you for having me, Alexis. It was so much fun.